0: Now live and on lockdown.
1: Are you ready? ready?
0: ready? Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland, and across
1: the globe. Listen here. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Borders podcast. The host, Fraser Ramsey. Hi, this is from Letha from KingdomBeats.com. Proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders. And
2: good evening, good day, wherever you are in the world. It is Saturday night. It happens to be Saturday night as I'm recording my next interview with my guest, Sarah Taylor, coming up. She's all the way from Australia. Now, as I'm recording this, it is just kind of gone eight nine o'clock in the evening uh, in Scotland and the UK. But it is just gone eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday in Australia, the 11-hour time difference, yeah, it's bizarre, yes, but it's happening. Uh, my guest is a cha- pro, an amateur and pro champion, but we will find out in what in the show you have to l- listen. We do have our standard 60-second uh, singing tips from Benita Charles. Benita Charles is from New York, and um, she's been providing us with music. She's got great music out there. You can buy that so you can uh, listen to it. She also does her 60-second motivational uh, singing tip for our show and she does singing tips on a regular basis on Facebook as well if you were to connect with her, you can through www.beritachannels.com But uh, we also have many, many other supporters able uh, will uh, touch base with the show. We've got other artists and people who support us along the way like Brentman Brent from BrentmanForBrentmanMusic.com, etc, etc. But we will talk a bit more later on in the show. We'll play some music from Lisa Mowen country girls rock and roll and if we've got time we'll squeeze in another one Uh, as I say it's going to be um, got a great guest all the way from Australia being interviewed on the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast and uh, we've got many other guests coming up as well we've got another woman coming up in the podcast called Marneen Lynn and she is almost 100% pr- profoundly deaf and is an, ar- an artist and up for Grammy Awards ne- uh, which, for next year which is great great news, that's 2020 so as I say we have a great bunch of interesting people coming up on the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders show so as I say let's uh, not ho- hold back any longer we welcome Sarah Taylor to the Ramsey Unleashed podcast welcome and thank you for joining me mm.
3: Thank you, for, uh, thank you. Um, I'm delighted to be here
2: yeah, so let's let's tell tell people a little bit. Uh, well, who you are, what are you're doing now, and uh, what obviously you're from Australia. What part of Australia are you from?
3: I'm in Melbourne at the moment, but I'm originally from Winchester, which is down south in the UK.
2: Fantastic. Okay, so what made you move to Australia, or how long you're? What made you decide to okay, let's go to Australia and stay in Melbourne? <laughs>
3: Well, it was all a bit of, I don't know, it was all a bit of a sort of accident in a way. I sort of decided one day, well, you know, know, I just got sort of sick of the grey November days. You know how they go on for endless days. It's just grey in November. And I just woke up and went, I need to see some sun. I'm going to go to Australia. And six weeks later, I arrived in Australia with one suitcase of everything I owned in the whole world and not knowing a soul. And there I was in Melbourne. (laughs) And that was 20, gosh, 20 years ago now.
2: 20 years ago. Wow. Yes. So, <laughs> so it was just that kind of. So what did you to was, l- land in Australia and not doing a soul with what you had? How did you, what? So what made you say where would I go? Where did I, what am I doing? Where am I going? What's my direction? Well, then? yes.
3: I, when I got there, of course, I did go. What? What? What on earth have I just done? <laughs> but I, I, I did actually have a job. Um, the company, a company I'd worked with a couple of years earlier, had um, actually had an Australian tie-in. And when I called them to see if I could talk to the guy in Australia, it just turned out that the guy in Australia was in England at that very time. So it was kind of like it was sort of one of those sort of weird meant to be sort of moments. But, um, yeah, I was only supposed to be there for six months and 20 years later, here I still am.
2: <laughs> you, still, you still haven't um, quite lost the accent, the, the English accent a little bit.
3: Well, I think it's I think it's actually got stronger since I got here because it's actually it's, it's actually a huge advantage having an accent in Australia.
2: That's good. So uh, so what did, you, what did you actually do when you what, – what was your job? What were you doing at the time? Uh...
3: Well, at the time, and, I mean, I've been in the information technology industry for, for ages, and at that particular time I was a computer programmer. Now I've sort of since worked my way up into all all, all levels of, of, I guess, IT, and I'm now the uh, chief operating officer of a small um, software startup company. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really sort of my my main background.
2: That's go. Cool. So what uh, tell us what well tell us what you do before we go into that. Tell us what you're doing now. So what is it you do now as work job? Um, obviously you're 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 obviously we will touch it base into your championships and what you've won through. But as I say, just tell us what what you're doing now and what is it your what you what's your aims and well not not aims for the goals for the future. We'll come into that. But what are you actually doing now?
3: Well, what, I, what I'm doing now, I'm in the process of um, transitioning into becoming a full-time sort of health coach, particularly with sort of transformational weight loss. Um, and the methods I use are very, very different. I don't put people on diets. I teach people to learn their body, and I teach them sort of what's the right amount of food for them to eat, when's the right time for them to eat, I t- and I teach them sort of def- sort of different techniques to identify how they can be always be eating the right foods for them in the right situations for them without dieting. So it's a very, very different approach and it's called habit based weight loss. So that's what I'm sort of transitioning into at the moment. And that's come through come about through my own my own journey.
2: Okay. Well tell us about well trying out which way the best way to do this let's we'll go we'll go into yourself let's go to we'll do a bit of a we've got a rough idea so you've got a teaser bit there for the people who are listening uh let's talk about how you got into that journey so what got you into the journey that you're in that you're aiming for at the moment okay
3: well like really I guess really you know, I'm I'm a very ordinary person. Yeah, I grew up in Winchester, as I, as I said earlier, and I, I've got three brothers. I did all the normal things things that most people do. Sort of went to university, got a degree. I got a master's in IT. Um, that's when I got into the sort of computer programming and stuff. Um, so there's nothing really sort of too remarkable about about me. I just like as I as I already said to you how I got into Austra- I got to Australia, um, and it just really sort of kept going. I was I got into a long-term relationship at sort of in my early thirties. Um, and life was pretty good really until I hit 40. And, um, that's when everything sort of came to a screeching halt. Um, when the relationship ended, that's, you know, having enjoyed all of the best things that Melbourne lifestyle, uh, involves, which is, it's very sort of, it's, it's very sort of food capital of australia lifestyle capital of australia you know my partner was in the wine trade so we we're always going out eating amazing food and, and drinking some lovely wine and the trouble is when i we split up um i've always thought of myself as a sporty person you know my whole life i've always just done sports and um I've always loved high-altitude trekking. I've done the Inca Trail a couple of times. I've trekked in Bhutan for 30 days, and I'd I'd actually set myself a goal to go and climb the highest mountain in South America by the time I was 40. So, when this relationship ended, I went, well, great, here's the opportunity to go and climb the mountain. The trouble is, I then went and had a gym assessment, and it put me in, uh, it, it put me in the obese category. Now, my whole identity was really tied up with being a fit person, the sporty person. You know, I was playing tennis at the time I cycled everywhere because I didn't have a car. Um, so being told I was obese and you know, 40 obese to me, it was just, it was just, um, crushing. It was a real, you know, it just, it just crushed my self confidence, Um, and you know, I, I just, I just felt really lost and directionless. Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> I felt really lost and directionless and really didn't know who I was. You know, here I was out of a 10 year relationship and I just wasn't the person that I thought I was and my life wasn't where I thought my life would be when I was 40, you know. And it really struck me very hard. Um, So I really, I needed something to, I guess, pull myself out of this this hole and, and rediscover who I was. So instead of climbing the highest mountain in South America, I set my sights on Mount Kilimanjaro, which is the highest mountain in Africa. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I really hit the gym hard. Um, I was training sort of every day. You know, I actually, I actually really beat myself up over it. You know, I really gave myself a hard time. I was training sort of three hours a day for this mountain climb. And I didn't go on a diet, though. This is the key, I didn't go on a diet because I do love my food. And I just started paying attention to my body. So I, I started um, paying attention to what foods made me feel light or what mood foods made me feel heavy or what foods made me feel tired or sleepy or energized. And the ones that made me feel light and energized, I sort of just ate more of those. And the ones that made me feel sort of tired or sleepy or a bit bloated, I just ate less of those. You know, I didn't cut out alcohol, though I did cut it down. And... Gradually, You know, not much happened really for about six to eight weeks. And then all of a sudden, just three kilos seemed to disappear. Um, it was like my body just got it. And, you know, that's when I sort of woke up and went, "Ha! Huh, I, I, I think I'm onto something here. So, and and from then on, it just kept going. And by the time I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, I'd lost 25 kilos. Wow. Which was quite staggering.
2: So, so how so, heavy were you when you were considered obese?
3: At my heaviest, I was seventy-eight kilos, and when I'm only five foot two, that's that's really very significantly just a t- overweight. T-
2: just over twelve stone, kind of thing.
3: Yeah, that's hmm. yeah. So somebody little little shorty like me, that's that's very significant. So so by the time I climbed this mountain, I was um yeah, lost twenty-five kilos. So, so I was in the best shape of my life at, at forty-one, um, but then. Life had other ideas again, and within four months of climbing that mountain, I was diagnosed with depression. You see because i 'd focused so intently on my my fitness really i neglected all other aspects of my life, and it just fell apart. There was a very weird eight week period when just just things literally just fell apart and when i When I got to the doctor 's about a lump under my armpit. I'd just, I just cry, I'd just burst into tears. I couldn't handle it anymore and that's when I was diagnosed with depression. Um, so that, that was a really dark moment but what I'd realized when I started doing the training for the, for the mountain climb was that really if I didn't have my health, I had nothing. And mental health is just as much part of health as is the physical health. And again, I resolved that if, if anyone was gonna fix it, it, would it would be me. And one thing I decided to do this time around is I knew I needed help with my fitness and staying in the gym. I'd worked so hard to get this fitness back, I couldn't bear the thought of losing it again. So I hired a personal trainer. Um, And again, by focusing on the fitness, the results I was getting with this trainer, I was getting even fitter than my mountain climb. And it it became really incredibly motivating. So within a couple of months, I'd turned my whole life around and decided to reward myself with a photo shoot for my 42nd birthday for not giving up. And it was at that photo shoot that the photographer asked me if I was doing a show. So I said, well, what what, what are you talking about? I've got no idea what you're talking about. And she says, are you doing the show? So I've got no idea what you're talking about. What's the show? So she explained to me, it was a bodybuilding show. I was like, no. <laughs> I've just lost twenty-five kilos, climbed a mountain, gone through depression. I'm you know, this is my reward. Anyway, I went along to the show and I freaked out at all of these enormous chocolate covered coloured women with sparkly stripper heels and sparkly bikinis and you know, fake hair, fake nails, fake makeup, fake tan. It was just it was just the bizarrest um experience of my whole life. But um Something must have just connected in my brain because the, the next time I, I had a training session, I just said to my trainer, could I do this bodybuildings thing? Um, and he was absolutely thrilled. He was just delighted. He was like, thank goodness for that. He says, I've been, asking, I've been waiting for you to ask me if you could do this. Um, so I said to him, great, we've got 10 weeks before the state titles, um, which I promptly won. So on my very first show, I won the state title, the state figure title. Cool aged 42. That's, wow, that must be so,
2: so what was the so what's the training regime like to be to get into to get to that stage of to, well, to get to bodybuilding physique stage or whatever you have to you know obviously like a boxer or it goes to rigorous, rigorous training before the their match what did you have to do before X
3: well, it's it's just lifting heavy weights, and and here's the thing: a lot of people think you have to spend hours in the gym, but but I don't. I've only ever spent I only ever sort of trained for forty five minutes a session, um, and it's usually five five days a week. The key to it, of course, is the diet. You've got to get the diet right, and that's that's really where my sort of um, I've always had a high interest in in food and nutrition. I mean, I'm a a full-blown celiac, and I've been a celiac my whole life. Um, So I've always had a higher level of interest in food because I've always used food as medicine to make sure that I've kept my eczema under control and, of course, it doesn't upset my celiac. Um, And really, once I got into the bodybuilding, then all of a sudden I was seeing diet and nutrition being used as a tool in a very specific way to achieve a very specific goal, um, and it just it just utterly fascinated me. Um, but after I after I won that state title at 42, I'd, I've then again things also got messed up because my sh- my shoulders had been sore that whole year just from playing sport for my whole life and being a gymnast as a as a kid. My body wasn't geared up for the bodybuilding, and all, I was already injured and the bodybuilder just sort of tipped tipped things over the edge, and my body completely fell apart. So I had to have double shoulder surgery, and then I tore all of the tendons in all of my limbs. So I literally couldn't even pick up a cup at one point. Um, And at this point, the doctors basically said, you've got to stop all forms of activity, like everything, which again was devastating because, again, like my whole identity was tied up with being the fit person. But here's the doctors now telling me that, I couldn't even walk. So, it, again, it was a devastating blow. And I was I was trying to, you know, I sat outside the gym in March, having just had blood injections into both elbows, both hips, both knees, both hamstring tendons. You know, I had blood injections and cortisol injections. It was just a nightmare. But my trainer said to me – I said to my trainer, rather, that I had to stop everything. And that's when he – he really was very, very instrumental in what what came afterwards because he said to me, he said, look, Sarah, you've got the size, you've got the symmetry and the proportions, you've got the legs, you sure as hell have got the mental toughness. If we can get your troublesome body right, I will make you world champion. Now, this guy's 28. Wow. And I'm this broken-down 43-year-old. And this guy is saying he can make me the world champion in – pretty much the toughest sport in the world. Now, now, to me, that was just absolutely staggering. Nobody in their right mind would do that. I, you know, I literally thought the guy was insane. It's like, are, he, are you nuts? <laughs> you're telling this broken down 43-year-old you're going to make them world champion. Um, so I went, well, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and so then we had a year of rehab, came back at 44 and won state and national titles. And then at age 45, I went. I did a massive sh- season of nine shows in nine weeks in three three different Australia states and three different countries. Went to the U.S. and Canada, and in the space of three weeks, I won 11 amateur world titles wow. at age 45. That is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is quite staggering. And then, uh, and then by the time, uh, by 48, I'd won another five professional world titles, as well
2: that is well we'll go into more of them in a second. Uh what we'll do is we'll we'll get to a wee break, we'll play some music uh, just uh, for the in the show. We'll come back and uh we'd like to discuss a bit more regarding your the, the lump that you found underneath. Obviously that's a serious issue for many people who find a lump, especially for women, uh under the arms. So we'll talk a bit about that and how it affected Sarah uh, a bit more detail. And then we will also get a bit more of a background, even though we've touched on what she's doing now, but we'll kind of touch a bit more on her past of, of growing up lifestyle uh, in Winchester, and we'll uh, go from there. But we'll come back with uh, some music from uh, Sarah, sorry, not Sarah Moan, Lisa Moan, that's my guest. <laughs> Lisa <laughs> Moan, um, country girls rock and roll. Lisa Moore is a Canadian in the country singer, songwriter, artist. She has been doing absolutely fantastic, winning awards uh, near where she lives and uh, in Canada, so it's it's, it's Sask. Oh, I can't pronounce it. It's, it's Saskat- Saskatoon, but it's, it's uh, Saskatchewan. I can't pronounce it very well. But anyway, I always keep me- me- messing it up. But she is doing extremely well, and also uh, Aaron Rigdon, who is a big fan. We support him as well. He's a country singer, and playing his music and stuff. So we're going to have country girls, rock and roll. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. Uh, welcome to uh, back to Ramsey and Going Beyond borders. Sarah Taylor all the way from Australia in Melbourne, uh, talking about uh, what she does and so far we we'll discussed it briefly. How she got into being an international female bodybuilding champion from junior and also going into pro. And she has mentioned this. This was from Winchester in the UK, and suddenly, at the age of 28, it basically jumped on a plane, f- set off, got off in Australia, and thinking, "Right, what am I doing?" So we've kind of covered a little bit of that. We'll go into a bit more detail about um, the IT side and why she's obviously she's been t- continually doing that, and go from a bit more detail. But uh, we're going to touch base on the lump that you found on under your arm, and uh, you're going to tell. I mean obviously that's a very serious thing was it benign was it obviously more serious did you have to, what test? did you have to go through and the thought of thinking oh my goodness is this actually worse
3: than it is yeah look um that that's that was a very difficult part and like i say that was that was what triggered me going to the doctor and eventually getting diagnosed with depression it was really was a straw that broke the camel's back and i guess because i was in such good physical shape you know i had been like i say, i've been working with this trainer and i I'd got into even better shape than I had done for my mountain climb, and you know every every woman should be checking their breasts sort of at least once a week, and I was just doing a, a sort of regular check, and all of a sudden there was this lump under my armpit that i just hadn't hadn't found before um I don't know if I'd just sort of moved to a different different place than than I usually did, but all of a sudden I was like. Well, what on earth was this? And of course, you know, and I just, I literally just froze and I just went cold from top to toe because, of course, the first thing that goes through your head is, oh, my God, what if this is cancer? It literally is the very first thing that goes through your head. And I was just cold. And, you know, I just stood there for about five minutes feeling this, this lump. Um, and it was probably about the size of the top of my thumb. You know, and I was just sort of feeling around it, and it was this hard lump, and I was like, "Oh my god and i i just didn't I just didn't know what to do because it was a weekend, and I just didn't know what to do so I was sat there sort of kind of in shock really um until monday when i I just called up my doctor and said, "Look, I've got this lump under my armpit. what do I do?" So they called me straight in, and I had some straight away they straight away sent me to get some some x-rays done and Fortunately, thank goodness it came back as benign. Um, But I actually did about two years later, I I did find another lump in my breast as well. And again, it was the same thing, you just go absolutely cold with fear. And again, my doctors were very, very good. They got me straight into some imaging, they did a biopsy this time, in this case. Because it was closer to the centre of my breast, the second time round, they actually did do a biopsy, and again, fortunately, it came back as benign. But it's terrifying. I have, uh, you know, there's no other way of explaining it. It's terrifying. Um, You just, you just go numb with shock, and you just don't know what to do. Um, But fortunately, I think, I mean, it's probably the same in in, over in the UK, but certainly in over here in Australia, they're very, very quick to get onto it they just send you for for scans and biopsies if they think they you need it um no questions asked they just they just get it done and i'm very i guess i'm very grateful for that because you know that once you're into the process you're just going to get looked after and they'll follow the process until they get a result so so once once i got to the doctor and they they literally just took over which is fantastic because you need that you you you, you, your kind of brain gets a bit scrambled and you can't function at your normal levels. So having somebody just take over and tell you what to do and tell you where to be when you need to be there, you absolutely need that. So um, I found the whole process to be very, um, very efficient. And I'm very grateful for the doctors that and I'm very grateful that it came out as benign because it, it is it's terrifying. So what
2: was, uh, I mean, how long did you, was your depression, was it quite a severe depression you went through or was it kind of generally, was it quite light?
3: Look, it was quite a, it was, I guess, it wasn't clinical depression. So I guess related to some people, you probably describe it as quite mild. But, yeah, look, again, I literally, I literally couldn't function. Um, You know, I was just sort of, just on this complete autopilot and you just have this noise going around your head constantly that you just cannot turn up and i'm again i'm very very grateful to i've got a particularly good friend of mine who literally rang me up every day for two weeks just to make sure i was still here um and i'm i'm forever in that person's debt and actually i did have, have a chance to repay that my, my friend because they went through depression later as well and I did exactly the same thing for them um and I you know I the hardest thing to do when you're in depression is to reach out for help and that's the one thing you do need but it's the hardest thing in the world to do because you just you don't want to feel like you're a burden to people mm-hmm. and you just don't you just feel worthless and you just don't feel it's incredibly hard to explain again, but like I say, you just feel worthless, and you don't want to burn people with your problems. So reaching out to ask for help is is incredibly difficult when you're going through depression, um, but it's the one thing that you really do need to do. Um, and like I say, fortunately for me, I was I'm very lucky that I've got a friend who who somehow intuited that I was in trouble, and just called out of the blue. I hadn't spoken to them for probably about nine months actually, and out of the blue, they just called me and said, "Look, Sarah." Are you OK? Um, and you just need that. You need somebody mm-hmm. to help you. And and that's why even though I decided, you know, even though I went to the doctors and they did give me all of the all of the the, the prescriptions for the for the antidepressants, I'd seen another friend go through sort of go on to antidepressants. And again, I just decided and, and they just knocked her about. And I knew antidepressants would be probably the uh, of a very bad choice for me. And because I'm so sort of, I believe that, you know, I'm a very much a holistic healer, I suppose. Um, and I believe that I can fix it. You know, I could fix it myself. I refused to go on the antidepressants. I did go to a psychologist, which was, <laughs> which, was which was so awful. I I'd just laugh at it. Um, but having gone to that psychologist, that's when I really did make this decision that I was going to fix myself. But I also knew I needed help. And what I did is I, I looked around for some anything positive in my life, and the one positive thing in my life was my fitness. Even though that had kind of contributed to where I was, the only thing that was positive in my life at that time was my fitness. So that's when I hired the personal trainer because I knew I needed that help to relieve the overwhelm and the confusion that I was, I was experiencing. So yeah, look, if you're going through depression, you've got to just try as hard as you can, reach out to somebody.
2: Was your depression really just due to the, the lump the things you've gone through with the lumps, or was it due to things that had happened in your past in your life at all?
3: <coughs> no, it was um now here's here's the thing. There was probably a combination of factors because I because I trained so hard for the mountain climb, what I'd probably done is actually pro- I'd probably actually overtrained and in doing so i th- i probably knocked my hormones out of out of balance mm-hmm. and the trouble is with doctors here in australia they will not test your hormones mm-hmm. for if you're a female you know they will they will not test your estrogen and progesterone levels because there's no point because it's it changes daily because you're a female now that i've got much more into the nutrition and the healing and the bodybuilding and stuff i get my blood tests every sort of 6 months and i absolutely insist on getting my hormones tested um, and it took me probably 3 years to find a doctor who would test my hormones and what what transpired was the fact that all of my you know my estrogen progesterone testosterone levels had absolutely flatlined right. and i'd been existing in this kind of sort of depressed hormonally depressed state for about three years, and that has prob- was probably what one thing that had contributed to the depression or the inability to cope with these eight incredibly stressful events that were going on in my life. When I went to the psychologist, she, <laughs> I explained what was going on, and she said, well, you've got five of the top 10 things that cause depression going on all at the same time. Um, so, I yes, I had a lot of external stressors. But in addition to that, my physical well-being wasn't optimal, and like I say, it took me three years to find a doctor who would actually test my hormones. And I, I, I believe really now that because I'd overtrained so much for the mountain climb, because I was in this very beating myself up state for having <laughs> let myself get to being obese. Um, I think I knocked my whole hormonal profile out of balance. So there was a lot of contributory factors. But um, I always advise people to go and get their hormones tested and be absolutely insistent that they get their hormones tested because a lot of doctors won't do it. But it can reveal an awful lot about where you are physically. And once you've got that, then there are things you can do, again, to help bring your hormones back up to left. Uh, normal levels and once your hormones are at normal levels then you're just going to be much more capable within yourself to deal with emotional mental and, and uh, sort of environmental stresses cool so
2: i usually i i myself i've been through uh way back in it was in uh, 94, 95, I went through an episode of depression as well, so it was no, know what it's like myself, it's not easy. Uh,
3: yeah, it's not. No, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a horrible place to be, um, and it's very difficult to get out of it, and you do need help.
2: Yeah, it's not as tough and I was on. Med- I was on very high p- medication at the time, and knocked mm-hmm. me for knocked me sideways, literally. <laughs> so, it
3: was, yeah. uh, so, so um, I'm uh, actually I'm I'm fascinated. How did how did you get off that then? What did you I, do to get off I that?
2: Was a, I was on I was on it was they used pr- at the time, um, and that was they don't you do that don't sus- subscribe that anymore. And it was like 120 milligrams a night. I was. Uh, no, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. uh, I was, I was made, it, made you tired. I was quite. Ah, uh, yeah. Basically, for me, I came. Well, I was on them for from the best part of ninety four, and then I came off them, and I had to go back on. I went back on them, and you know, for about nine months in ninety five, and, and they came to the point that my head. Can I can't be like this for the rest of my life, or I uh, really give myself a kick and. Get off them and make things better for myself. And I to give myself yeah. a kick. And so yeah. it's was uh, I mean, I st- you still get, I still get down. I still yeah, everyone gets kind of goes through. Yeah. And you know, and you have to. You know, when it's you, you, you re- it helped in my time that I also did a, a can- instructor counselling course at college, and it helped relate, it helped me know how to deal with things in my head and how to basically, you know, when it's coming on, you know, you just have to how, when you go through the motions in your head and you have to you say listen you've got to you kind know, of deal with it and psych yourself up and say listen I've got to get out of this mindset yep. and you go through that many times even though you, when you've been through it you still go through phases when you'll sit there and yep. your mind your mindset just oh you just you feel like you're feel flat yes. as a pancake but eventually you just yep. have to psych yourself up literally and get yourself, talk yourself out of it inside yourself to move <clears> forward
3: yeah and look that's what i realized I, you know i i i'm trained in nlp i 'm an nlp trainer um so I did actually have the mental skills, you know, tools i suppose to help myself um, but even even still, I was still getting overwhelmed but that that was why I decided I was going to heal myself naturally you know, I realized that um, I basically took ownership of my situation and it sounds like you did the same thing you went look i 'm here because of the choices i've been making and therefore if i want a different outcome i've got to make different choices so i i took ownership of the whole situation um and yes like like you 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 did the cancelling which definitely helped you and gave you the, the some tools to help you through it i had my nlp tools to help me through too but like you say it's it's an ongoing practice you know, you you still get down phases. I still get down phases. I think once you've been through depression, you you're always going to have that element with you, um, but it's a question of if finding the tools to help you deal with it, um, so that you can bounce back, and and that's that's been something that I've found very useful.
2: It is it is very. Yeah, it can be difficult. I've got somebody else coming up in, a, in, a, in the future. We've been called Claire Chapman, who's in a similar situation, how you turned her life around with, through depression and stuff. So she, uh, I was, she's been... I'll have to get her, her... She's been going to the gym and totally turned her life around with everything what she's doing. But, uh, but yeah, but anyway, well, what we'll do is we'll take a, another brief break. Uh, we're going to obviously we're gonna give thanks to a lot of our supporters who support the show, Ramsey and these going beyond borders on. So we... I was going to say on my former platform that I used to be the show on, but we there'll be a new one coming soon, um, with a bit of a uh, uh, progression. But I won't say much. I'll keep it quiet at the moment as progress the plans behind the scenes are developing. So, um, <coughs> but anyway, I uh, we Eileen uh, Smith dot com who uh, tests every live stream possible. She does basic blog tips. Uh, it's Eileen with I L E N E. Uh, you can find her by typing Eileen Smith dot com uh, or go dot com, or you can find her on YouTube, and you can watch all her platforms on YouTube if you're needing to t- and want to find out uh, a bit about live streaming, etc. There's also uh, John Drummond who does websites from Ideas Go Live. we have got Curtis Brooks Media Productions dot com, uh, so if you, he does also he does a bit of media stuff, websites as well. Uh, we've got. For Humanities, Shannon Griffin, who is a, a breast cancer survivor and does t-shirt branding uh, which is, and does a lot of eye-creating stuff, likes to create things. It's great. So she does a lot of talks, Survivor and Thrive. Uh, we've also, also got many, many other people. Guy R. Cook from the Guy R. Cook Report podcast. If you're interested in finding it, listening to his podcast, it would be like no more than 10 minutes long. Uh, so you can hear him talks about B2B stuff and uh, just general things that are going on um, in the business world. Uh, but as many, we're grateful for who we have. Uh, Brent Mann, as I was saying, com. It's great to have him supporting us in what we do. He's a country gospel singer. and He's Canadian, but he lives in Tampa, Florida. Uh, so you get, it's great for him. And also Benita Charles, who gives us our 60-second singing tips uh, each time. So we are going to hear those 60-second <coughs> singing tips and motivation. Um, as um, So we'll be back after... Um, after this, we'll kind of sit with Benita Charles and we'll probably actually we'll squeeze in one of our tunes as well. We'll do that. So we'll be back in a second.
1: Hi, this is Benita Charles from BenitaCharles.com on Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Borders with your 60-second singing tip. Today's tip is about authenticity. The people who are winning in today's world of social media, entrepreneurs, and artists are the people who stay true to their core values, beliefs, and personalities. Maybe your story is just the inspiration someone needs to move forward. Maybe your product is the one thing someone has been looking for. Or maybe your service is the solution to someone's problem. Be yourself and shine. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for the next 60-second singing tip on Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders, Ooh, yeah. mm-hmm. if we could just reach out and take each other's head.
2: And he's going to be on borders that was. Beatles, Charles, sixty second singing tips, and whatever tunes. So we're back with Sarah Taylor. We're going to um, let's touch a little bit on your sort of growing up. You growing up in Winchester before you decided to jump on a plane with one suitcase and everything else in it, and go. What am I doing? I'm completely nuts. <laughs> but <laughs> so, uh, but um, tell us about life growing up in Winchester. When you obviously you going be okay, born in Winchester. Were you born in a different part of England?
3: I was I was born in Romsey, mm. um, but we moved to Winchester when I was only about nine months old. So I don't I don't really um, remember obviously anything yeah. about Romsey, um, which is just down the road from Winchester. But yeah, look, I've got I've got three brothers, and um, my youngest brother is now out in Australia with me. He's married with two kids, uh, my beautiful little beautiful little niece and nephew, and then my older brother is in Leeds, um, and my middle brother's in London. So yeah, look. Um, actually I've, I've really I really loved being the only girl as well I was I was a bit of a tomboy bit of a tomboy always playing football and getting into fights at school <laughs> so given the fact that I was the smallest girl in the school getting into fights with the boys was probably not the smartest thing to do
2: probably not no. know <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but you know I guess I've always been a bit of a, a sort of knockabout sort of person a bit a bit of a tomboy um, I've always been like I say, I've always been totally into sport. I was doing gymnastics and swimming at a fairly high level, sort of, you know, growing up. And then I just, yeah, just I've always just done sport. I mean, I really, um, really love the activity. Um, so yeah, just a just a normal way. Yeah, I just had a really normal upbringing, um, enjoying stuff really.
2: Cool, that's good. So uh, when did so? What was what kind of you? You studied. You went to college. You, you got a degree. So, were you always doing IT from the, the day off? On your first job, or were you doing what kind of jobs were you into? Just.
3: just- um- well actually no, my first degree was geography. I always I always loved geography. Um I'm a very visual I'm also a very visual learner. So geography worked for me because of all those pictures of mountains and lakes and and beautiful scenery. So geography really worked for me and I studied that as a degree. But um coming out of university I think it was in what, ninety one, during a sort of a bit of a downturn in the economy, I couldn't get a job, which of course uh, my, you know, every everybody tried to discourage me getting a doing a geography degree because the one thing they've said is, oh, wh- how, wh- what sort of job are you, are you going to get with a geography degree? And then, of course, I graduated with my geography degree and couldn't get a job. So everybody was saying, "Well, I told you so."
2: <laughs> sure. So geography so, um, I studied <laughs> geography, okay. Yeah, <laughs> a,
3: but but um, you know, on on my geography degree. I chose Coventry University because they had the best field trips and um, they also, what they also did is they did a year in industry, which makes them quite different. So I had actually had a year already in industry at um, Seven Trent Water Authority. There you go. That's dragging your memory up. But at Seven Trent, they didn't really have much for me to do. So I just started mucking around on the, the computers. Yeah, back in 91 you can imagine that computers were not particularly grand um but i just started mucking, mucking around on computers and and i discovered this statistical package that could draw charts well being in a water authority they've got data for water quality going back forever so i just started pulling out charts and stuff because I'm, I'm very numerate as well i see i see patterns in numbers and again to me it's a very visual you you Numbers tell a story, so I just started pulling out all of this, these charts and diagrams and stuff from these numbers that they'd never seen before. And pretty soon, I was teaching the the people how to use this software package. So I sort of kind of figured was that I was actually quite good at software. That's why I went to do a masters in IT uh, in Leicester. Um. So once I once I graduated from that, that's really when I got into into um, programming which was just something I never thought I'd ever do. But one thing I did think I would do is I always kind of figured that I might work overseas somehow. And I didn't, I had no concept of how it was going to happen. But once I got into IT, I really really saw that as an opportunity that I might be able to go somewhere in the world with my job. And I kind of figured that, you know, it would it would probably be silicon valley so ending up in australia <laughs> was completely completely bizarre <laughs>
2: <laughs> silicon valley you know, brilliant
3: <laughs> you know that's I, I thought well i'm a programmer let's go to silicon valley but then no i ended up in melbourne <laughs> completely melbourne. unexpectedly but look, look, it was the best thing it was the best thing i ever did you know i love melbourne i love the lifestyle it's very european in many ways the weather the weather is very english <laughs>
2: Is, I mean, obviously, the good thing is it's pretty much what they drive on the same side as the road. Uh, as That's really, like, anyway. the same
3: language, drive on the same side of the road. It was, it was, yeah. You know, for a trans- in terms of transitions, it, it was incredibly easy.
2: That's good, fantastic. So uh, let's we'll go. We'll talk about a bit more now. We kind of touched on you winning some titles. Let's go a bit. You, you've from amateur. You've touched on your depression, the lumps. Uh, you found you've, you've what you've gone through. A bit about your background, growing up. And you're now, as I say, let's say go into your, obviously what you're doing, You I've touched on what you're sort of doing now, but we're going into a bit more detail what you're doing now. Um, you do, you are the, you say you're the CEO chief, you're chief, you're one of the head honchos of a <laughs> CEO, <Yes>. chief <laughs> operating officer, head honchos yep. of a an, an i t company and things uh, so that, talk about the company you know you obviously you are one of the head is it quite a big company small or was it
3: no it's it's a small um fintech startup so there's only eight of us in the company sorry nine of us in the company um, and yeah look i only joined i only joined there three three months ago <laughs> wow. Uh actually as their agile coach agile is a um a methodology for getting work done um that's that's very popular in the software, you know, the IT industry. Um, I'm a bit of an expert, so I, I was brought in to coach to coach them in this methodology. And then, just through circumstances, um, within a couple of weeks, they did have some other people. We, we sacked one person; four people left. So I basically said, "Look, I'm doing all of the roles of all of the people who've just left." You might make me your COO <laughs> like you do I've never been a COO before okay. um, so I said make me your COO and they did and I've literally turned I've literally turned that company around we've we've uh productivity we've made the the value of the work we're, we're producing has gone up by five times I've increased the quality of the product by about 50 percent so I've literally turned that place around in the space of about three weeks
2: wow that's impressive that is impressive. Yeah. So basically, somebody said you're fired, but uh, now I can do all the jobs. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so this is, yeah. that's quite impressive. Uh, so it's, uh, it's obviously it takes a lot of. It's like, I mean, it's quite a good, confident brass neck to say, hey, "These fire these people." Maybe your CEO done happy days and looking at looking and thinking in three weeks. I mean, who can do that in three weeks? That is impressive.
3: Yeah. So so yes, I'm kind of an up- <laughs> a bit of a bit of an overachiever,
2: you could right. say. Well, let's uh we'll, we'll talk about this. Okay, we're going to talk about your, you've won. You've gone from when you have won eleven amateur bodybuilding titles. So. We, um, before should I explain how that works? Yeah, before you go into that, we're going to. I need to show one of our, our main one of our sponsors who uh, I didn't mention, which main which I should have done, which I'm going to get slapped in the nose for. Uh, who sponsors <laughs> our show? Which you will hear at the beginning anyway. Uh, it's King, uh, kingdombeads. dot com. So if you are looking for some semi precious gems or you'd like to design your own custom beads, you can go to kingdombeads. dot com and you can order yourself some nice beads from by Efi Latham, who is our sponsor. Uh, so you can do that, KingdomBeads. dot com. You get some nice semi precious gems, and you can design them to what you want. Really nice designs, um, which is great. So, explain uh. the titles. Explain us uh, what how all the different pro titles you've won in the transition to go to pro from amateur
3: okay all right maybe I'll just give you a little background on I guess the, the bodybuilding world it's kind of a bit like boxing in, in the fact that there's lots of different organizations and they kind of all think they're the best and they kind of all hate each other sort of thing um, but there's, there's also within that there's there's two streams there's two streams of bodybuilding one of which is called natural and one of which is not natural now I'm a natural athlete which means I get drug tested Um, every, every competition I do, I get drug tested and some of the ones in the States I've even been polygraphed to make sure that I'm not taking any substances. The other, yeah, no, no, it, 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 and this, this, this came about because people who didn't want to take drugs wanted a, um, a forum to compete and that's where it's come about. Um, most of the, most of the sort of famous bodybuilders you see are probably not on the natural side. Um, To get to the size of those guys, you you cannot be natural. You have to be on stuff. So I'm a natural athlete. And although I've competed in all of the organizations in Australia, natural and non-natural, although I'm 16 times world champion in the natural world, like I'm literally the best in the world, um, in the natural world, in the non-natural world, the best result I've ever had is third. Wow.
2: I'm
3: just not big. I'm just not big enough. I'm just not big enough. You know, you can't get to the size that you need to be to be com- fully competitive, you know, in the non natural world if you're a natural athlete. So I'll just give you that little bit of background. Oh. Um but then um like I say I've I've competed in all of the organisations and we've we've got we've got fifteen in Australia at the moment and it's it's growing exponentially at the moment. It's becoming incredibly popular now to compete. Um but back in two thousand fourteen when I went to the US and Canada, I competed in I did eleven it's called a lineup, so every time you get on stage it's called a lineup, okay, so I did eleven lineups and I won all eleven, but that was at the amateur level, mm-hmm. okay, so that was in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Boston, and Toronto. I won eleven out of eleven amateur world lineups against people from all around the world across three different organizations now by winning those amateur world lineups um, that qualified me. Uh, for professional status. Now, as an amateur, of course, you don't get paid. As a professional, you're entitled to win prize money. So that's the difference. Okay. So, I also compete in two categories. So there's there's actually four categories for females. There's bikini, which is just sort of pretty pretty girls on a beach kind of look. You've got your fitness models, who are the sort of girls you might see on the cover of a magazine. Then you've got figure, which is what I do. Uh, which is bigger, muscular, more muscular, leaner, harder. And then you've got the bodybuilding, okay? So I won 11 lineups in both, in the figure category at the world level, which qualified me to be a professional in that category. And and it was in three different organizations. Um, Subsequently, I went on to win two professional Miss Universe titles two professional Miss World titles and a professional Miss Olympia title, at which I won prize money.
2: How, with Miss Olympia, I mean, explain how in Miss Uni- you Universe, how they, I mean, how many people from different countries does that cover? Is it, how big is that when you say Universe and Olympia? Is that a huge, huge, or is it just kind of the name? It makes it look big.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Look, like I say, like it's like I say, it's a bit like boxing. So all of these organisations, they all have their flagship shows, right. and they all give it a super grand, grand-sounding title. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be competing against lots and lots of people around the world. Now, one of the world titles I did at the amateur level, yes, that had that had over 240 athletes from around the world, and I was I was on stage with 25 other ladies. Right. Now, at a world level, that is a very, very big lineup. That's a huge lineup. An average lineup would be sort of probably about eight to ten people at a world level. So, like I say, one of the lineups had twenty-five. So that was a massive lineup. Okay. Um, and even some of the shows at like amateur level, state and national levels, don't have twenty-five people in it. So, so the fact that i won this lineup with twenty-five ladies in it was was quite phenomenal. Wow. Um, but look. Um, Olympia in the organization that I do is their biggest show and They generally get over 200 athletes from around the world now bear in mind. This is This is people who've got had they've had to go through regional competitions state competitions national competitions qualified for the team To get to the world level so at each level it weeds people out So to get 200 athletes at the Olympia, that's still considered to be a big show right but he, here in Australia, like I say, the growth of this sport has gone exponential. You just wouldn't believe it. At the amateur levels, um, one of the organizations here gets over a thousand individuals Wow. Uh, at an amateur level. So, so it's almost you know.
2: like the X factor of bodybuilding. <clears throat> you sort of, it's a no from me. Yeah. Next <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, oh, that's quite. That's impressive. That is a massive. Um, that is very, very impressive. But to to win, as I said, to to state, have you what's what's your plan now? I mean, you're, you're obviously, reveal your age. You have said that you are uh, in the pre that you are a sixteen-time champion at the age of forty-eight. I mean, to be forty-eight and looking at the people who you are competing against, you are obviously a lot younger, or maybe there is older yes. as well, And to win, <laughs> how you heck, you must be thinking what the heck you must be pinching well, yourself in a sense
3: uh, yeah look absolutely i mean I, I actually took last year off but the year before it I, I did i just had an absolute fairy tale year and i literally was pinching myself Yeah, you know, I, I went into the final show which was was the olympia professional show and i'd just come off the back of winning the two world cups and there was a press conference and the american mc and this was global streamed the the global, you know, the MC literally said, "So you're the person to beat, aren't you, Sarah?" So he just painted this ginormous target on my back. Um, but I guess, I guess that kind of helped me in a way. You know, I just felt, I actually felt no pressure, despite having this enormous target on my back. And yeah, I did. You know, I just beat people who were sort of 20 years my junior. Well, Which, so I, I was. I was just, I was just pinching myself. Um, but this, this year I've, I've got <laughs> – this year I've set myself an even bigger task. This, there's this one organization that's got four professional world titles. So there's Greece – there's a world championships in Greece in June. Okay. There's the world, world Cup in Sydney in September. There's the World – sorry, there's the Universe in Los Angeles in November. And again, Olympia in Las Vegas in November. <clears throat> and that's a grand slam. So I've, I've set myself up, and I'm just currently in preparation for this Grand Slam. And if I do that, not only will it get me 20 titles, 20 world titles, but um, nobody else has ever done the Grand Slam.
2: Wow! So So, (laughs) no, no pressure then, really.
3: No pressure. (laughs) No. (laughs) This is the thing. You know, I I always like to challenge myself. This is this is probably why I love. You know, I love high altitude trekking. I, I, I liked, I like physical challenges. I, like I say, I've always been very sporty and active. I, I do enjoy a good physical challenge. <laughs> I think I, I, I don't know. I may have bitten off more I can, than I can chew this year, <laughs> but that's we'll
2: see. Twenty, that's uh, very impressive. So you have touched on briefly <laughs> a little bit in earlier. You, even though you're doing your the IT side, uh, but you're also you're wanting to you dabbling into a bit of nutrition. Uh, obviously, not the dieting, not technically dieting, but the, the, the styles of eating. So, obviously, I'm guessing you're looking to teach that as well, to people going forward, or kind of coaching style uh, way.
3: Yes, like I say, I've always been, I've always had a high awareness of nutrition as a, as a healing modality because I'm a celiac. Um, you know, I figured and I've also had eczema and, I've, and I'm, I've always been slightly lactose intolerant as well. And I figured out relatively early on that I could manage my eczema. If I ate dairy, it kind of triggered my eczema, but then if I had avocados and tuna, it kind of alleviated it, but I didn't know why. And like I say, it was when I got into the bodybuilding that I really, really just became absolutely fascinated with how food can be used as a tool to do a job. And I started experimenting on myself with every style of eating methodology you can think of. I mean, I know you're doing keto yourself. Mm. So I did sort of keto, paleo, I did sort of Atkins, I did sort of 5-2, I did intermittent fasting, I did uh, anabolic diets, I did all sorts of different sorts of diets. Um, Yeah, high protein, low carb, high carb, low protein, full fat. I I just did about four or five years of experimenting on myself with all of these different diets, just to see what it would do to me. Then I also studied nutrition. I'm, I've got a certificate in nutrition and another one in sports nutrition. I'm also a precision nutrition certified coach. Um, and through my own transformation, um, as well, nutrition has become really, really, really ingrained to me. So the Now, like I say, I can use it. Sorry, I've also studied Ayurveda for two years and I've started developing healing programs. So I have a gut health. I have a gut health program. And since I hit menopause last year, I actually also developed a a mastering menopause program. And I've had some spectacular results on that where I've literally just helped people alleviate their symptoms by up to 80 percent just through diet and through healing nutrition so this is this is a this is an area that i'm really really keen to move into is nutritional healing as well as sort of transformational weight loss using this habit-based methodology and what i mean by that is about 45 percent of what we do every day is unconscious unconscious habits now i don't know if you know people who've sort of tried all sorts of diets before you know they may have got some results and then reverted to where they've gone to the problem with diets is they don't teach you to how to maintain the results you, you change because what you do is essentially you change what you've been doing up to this point for a while you stop the diet and then you go back to what you're doing so of course you get the same results as you got before so in order to achieve sustainable long-lasting change or transformation you actually have to change your underlying habits these this 45 percent of unconscious behaviors that are tripping you up so that's what i teach so i teach these two modalities like i say i've got my 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 healing nutrition but as, i've got this habit-based um weight loss as well
2: that's so you hope to so you're going to basically your aim is to develop that through like seminars and just hopefully attract people into it and basically are you gonna write you gonna write a book or anything you ever thought of that
3: um yes I did start writing a book last year but then um a lot of um my father got very sick I was actually back in the UK for five months looking after my my mum and dad and then unfortunately my father passed so it it kind of got shelved um so I do need to revisit it and yeah because I mean I've I've kind of got my whole sort of story we woven through it but there's 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 lots of different exercises that you can do to help you um, think about your underlying habits and just make tiny little changes sort of one at a time um, so that you can identify exactly what you're basically you reconnect with yourself and what what food is doing to you. And once you have learned that, you can actually steer yourself um, along the right way in any situation. So it's it's a. Like I say, it's a, it's not a diet book. That's I call good. it I call it a lifestyle guidebook. Actually,
2: that's good. And I think a uh, I guess the the stigmatism of diets is it's trying to be a lifestyle change rather than a diet. Hence, why people yep. you do get your I mean with keto, obviously the sugar industry and stuff, and a lot of people go in your like your Weight Watchers or Slimming World, yep. but they're technically designed just to keep you fat. Really, <laughs> half of them. If you, it's all wrong foods. Absolutely. Really.
3: That's it because they don't teach you how to manage it when you come off it. Whereas if I teach you, you know what I like. I say what I do is if I, if I if I can teach you to um, identify what foods make make you feel light. That's actually your body's way of telling you I like this food. I feel light. I feel energetic that 's your body talking to you, so I basically teach you to connect to yourself and listen to what your body 's telling you,
0: mm-hmm. you know, was- and
3: once you know that these these sensations that you get and the emotions that food trigger once you 've tuned into those, then you 've basically got you 've basically got a guidebook for your whole life, and you, you actually never have to diet again
2: because you 've got the right plan, the right formula. Uh, for me, for example, right. for me, I had tonight for my dinner, I had, a, I had a sirloin steak with I had a mushrooms, red onions, a bit of seasonal on it, and I had on the plate, I had raw broccoli with a bit of mayonnaise, bit of paprika seasoning, tomatoes, um, and that was in balsamic vinegar, so that was, then you know, added all that to the plate, low carb, high fat, but just really yep. like lovely and feel great, such good food. Yeah.
3: Yep, yeah. And look, the thing, I mean, I've just done six weeks on the ketogenic diet to kickstart my, my competition preparation. Mm-hmm. And um, the ketogenic diet is a very therapeutic diet. Um, it was developed originally for epilepsy mm-hmm. and it's being used extensively, of course, with people with diabetes. And it's precisely because it's low carb. It helps people manage their blood sugar. And fat also keeps people satiated for longer so they just don't feel the cravings. So I've also used it's – it's starting to be used in depression. It's also starting to be used for um, help with multiple sclerosis. And I've used it with a lady who had this incredibly rare disease called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. Okay. Um, and the reason I use the ketogenic diet is because Charcot-Marie-Tooth um, Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease is very similar to MS in the fact that it's a degenerative disease of the myelin sheath around your nerves and muscles. And, um, yeah, look, I had her on the ketogenic diet, and she she immediately started, within a week, she started feeling better, less pain, more energy. She was sleeping better. Um, Yeah, she she loved it. So it's a very therapeutic diet.
2: Cool. That's why I I do like it. I do feel... I'm glad that if I hadn't been on it, I'd probably be happily going to the shops and buying four bars of chocolate and just eating them and realising it does not do me any favours.
3: <laughs> That's right, because, of course, you buy, those, you buy those chocolate bars and it spikes your blood sugar, then you crash, and then you crave more of it because you need that short burst of energy to get you over the next hump, so you go and buy more chocolate bars. <laughs> you know, It becomes a vicious cycle. Whereas on the ketogenic diet, because your blood sugar is, is completely balanced, and your energy levels are stable. I mean, you probably feel that your energy levels are completely stable throughout the whole day. You just don't get those swings of, 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 I guess swings of the blood sugar and consequently energy levels.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, let's uh, we'll wrap up a little bit more. Let's tell us where people can find you and connect with you, and uh, tell us a very quick uh, how your. Uh, what is your goal for the next what goals have you got for the kind of this coming year and maybe for the next two three years you have said you want the there's the grand slam but also anything else that you're kind of aiming for
3: okay all right um so if people want to uh connect to me then i'm on linkedin as sarah taylor hyphen diet and nutrition coach i'm also on facebook as sarah taylor the champion lifestyle i'm in the process of rebranding everything so things are a little bit different or you can just drop me a line to my personal email which is salute at gmail.com so i'll spell that s-a-r-l-o-u-t-a-y at gmail.com if you've, if you've got a question about nutrition or sort of you know nutrition to, for, for healing or something like that drop me a line i'm always happy to uh, answer your questions um, we could also arrange a sort of free 30-minute strategy call just to find out where you're, where you're at right now, what your goals are, and identify any hidden challenges that might have been holding you back um, and potentially create a little action plan to move you forward. I'm also in the process of developing a, a new program called my ACT program because, of course, if you don't take action you won't get to where you want to go. So I'm in the process of developing that right now, and yes, I'm definitely looking to get into much more, you know, do some more speaking, um, and just spreading the word about just health and nutrition generally, and how how nutrition really is the foundation of good health. I'm Go for that. Sorry. Um, yeah. Is there any... so, so, what am I?
2: Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, is there is there a, a cut off? Usually, is there a cut off age like some sports in? And what in body in bodybuilding? Are you going to be like sitting there, seventy years old? Not still? at all. <laughs> so, so, well, like, hey I'm, man, I'm, I'm going to whip your ass. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm seventy. <yeah>. Hey. hey. <laughs>
3: well, here's the thing. Now, as I'm showing that I'm I'm actually fifty this year, and I'm still kicking kicking uh, youngsters' butts. But here's the thing: the sport's growing so much that they're now. Every organisation around the world has had to int- introduce, you know, forty plus and fifty plus categories. Um, one of the organisations I've done has introduced sixty plus, seventy plus, and even eighty plus, <laughs> and they get people starting in their seventies and eighties. So it's never too late. We've got the pensioners coming. <laughs> the pensioners. On, oh, here's the. <laughs> Look, I, I mean, it's proven. I mean, this is this is you know science. Wait. Lifting or resistance training keeps you younger and there's so many scientific studies that show that because as we age, of course, we start to lose our our muscle and that's why we start to get frail. Now, by doing resistance training, you actually stimulate um, and stimulating muscle growth. You also actually stimulate bone growth because the bones have to support the extra muscle. Um, and osteoporosis, of course, is an incredibly uh, prevalent um, condition in women, particularly over forty. And osteoporosis is something that runs down the female line of my family, and I'm very, very aware of it. And here's the thing: I don't, I don't eat dairy because, like I say, I'm lactose intolerant. But since I've started lifting weights, my bone density has actually increased, um, so that it's in the top 0.1 percentile for my age. And I don't, I don't eat dairy. How is that possible it's because my diet is so good i eat so many that you can get calcium from all sorts of different sources you know your dark green leafy vegetables strawberries nuts all of those stuff because i eat all of those foods i get enough calcium to support my bones and then of course the weightlifting stimulates not only the muscle growth but the bone has to be dense enough to support it so look i will continue lift even this, the, the reason I'm doing such a big year this year, kind of, it's kind of my last hurrah, you know. Um, it does take, it, it is hard work, it is incredibly hard work, I'm not gonna lie to you. So it's kind of my last hurrah, I think, this year. But I will always continue to lift weights precisely because I'm so aware of this osteoporosis um running down the female line of my family and i having watched my grandmother literally crumble away from within mentally she was sharp as a tack but unfortunately her body just crumbled away i'm i've determined that i don't want to go through that cool
2: well we'll have all uh, sarah's uh, contact details have her sort of where you can connect with her uh, on the show notes of the podcast uh, it's been great interviewing anyway quick question how did you meet darren <laughs>
3: um i met darren about two years ago um through another friend well actually at a speaker event run by um a lady called iris Dew. she's got a super super women business club so she was doing a talk and i went along and that's where i met darren and we just we just hit it off look he's a, he's a lovely guy and he's, he's-, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit of an he's a bit of an energizer bunny you know he's, he's, he's got great energy he's, <laughs> he's very very positive yeah look um I've got a lot of time for Darren, he's a really
2: great guy And it was great for him to connect us both And uh, obviously I interviewed yeah. Darren in the last podcast it yeah. was, uh, So it was good to have a bit uh, Really hear about his life And how he, what happened to him And how he's turned it around And we have, hope to have many, many more challenging stories Going forward in the Ramsey on Unleashed podcast We are sponsored by KingdomBeads.com uh, Thanks to uh, Ify Leatham, Who's the creator and owner of Kingdom Beads So if you like semi-precious gems I recommend, it. you can even design your own uh so um but I want to thank you for to Sarah for the time. Uh all the way from Australia. Uh you what are you doing for the rest of your sort of day? Sun is Sunday over there, has?
3: Well, it's it's breakfast time. I'm actually catching up with my brother and my little niece and nephew for for a very lovely breakfast. So mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful day. It's gonna be twenty seven today, so that nice. that's a really nice way to start start the day, know. I think.
2: There we go. Well uh, I want to, uh <laughs> that's good well, I want to thank Sarah for coming on the show and hopefully we'll hear it. Um, looking, to, we'll get more. on we'll to connect? As I say, want we'll to chat to a free thirty-minute coaching or chat about diets, not only diets, lifestyle stuff. Feel free and connect with her, and uh, it's, yeah, as I say, it's been great fun. Don't forget the time zone is eleven hours from the UK, but if you're in a different part of the world, like in America, you may be a bit longer. So uh, just uh, take that into consideration that you may be best part of a day ahead of you apart. So, but time zones are just weird in general. But thank you very much for coming on the show, Sarah. And uh, thank yeah, you very
3: much, Fraser, for having me. It's been, great. been lovely.
2: Okay, till next time, people, and we'll speak to you soon.